unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic, and I'm excited about today's... You gave me a tiny sneak preview of what we were going to be talking about with our guest today, and I can't wait, so I'm going to shut my mouth and hand it over to you. All right, well, let's get rolling. Um, Today, we've got an urgent topic that everyone in copywriting has questions about, and we've got an expert to give us much-needed guidance. The topic is content. What do you do with it? When does it replace copy? When is it inappropriate? And when does content blend with copy and actually enhance the selling power? Our expert is Scott Altman, founder of Direct Response Content Marketing. Full disclosure, Scott and I have been friends for a while, and he invited me to speak at a marketing class he was teaching at UC Berkeley six years ago. Seems like a a lifetime. Scott's the author of the book 51 Content Marketing Hacks and has created an infographic called 21 Types of Content We Crave. That infographic has gone viral, and we're going to talk about a few of the types today and give you a link to the full list at the end. But I would be remiss if I didn't first tell you this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers, in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity. You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using the copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Scott, welcome and thanks so much for being here. Hey, David. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Let's jump right in. Um, How did you get into content marketing in the first place? It's kind of funny. I got into content marketing the same way that I got into marketing, which was really by accident. I created this website focused on this small music niche uh, in the late 90s. And I quickly realized that I needed to figure out a way to get people to actually see the website, to come to the website. And that led me to realize, hey, that that marketing stuff, I had to figure out what that is. At this point, I never focused on marketing. I didn't care about marketing, but the late 90s, I start searching and guess who I come across? I, be- I come across all these internet gurus that were around in the late 90s. I begin studying them. I start learning it. It's very interesting to me. You know, I never thought it would be. And at the same time for this site, I begin creating content. I start interviewing musicians. I create how-to articles. I have concert listings, an email newsletter. I even have user-generated content. And so with that combined experience and knowledge of marketing and this content, I start putting this out there. And long story short, that website becomes fairly well known in that little niche. And that's sort of how I got my feet wet and sort of jumped into marketing. And then about three years later, the recession was hitting, you know, the previous one of 2002. And I'm starting to realize, you know what, a lot of the marketing that I've studied, a lot of the experts I've studied, I think they they know ways to survive and prosper in a recession that most business owners don't. So I decide 
okay, I'm going to, I'm going to create a book called how your business can survive and prosper in a recession. I'm going to interview top business sales, marketing experts, and get them to reveal their secrets or what they know about how to survive and prosper in a recession. And spoiler, you were one of those experts. And uh, I put together the book, I compiled it, and I put up a website called recessionsolution.com. And I start to create content and write content for that website. I, I released the book. And up to this point, I don't realize it, but I, I've been using content marketing the whole time. It wasn't until 2009 or 2010 where I start to hear this phrase, content marketing. And I'm like, what's content marketing? You know, as, as the more I research it, the more I realize what it is, I suddenly realize I've been using content marketing for 10 years up to this point. You know, when I first created that website, you know, I was using marketing, but I was also using content. You know, I was attracting people with the information the education that was a part of that site. And even more, that book, How you how Your Business Can Survive and Prosper in a Recession, I realized that book that I was selling was really content marketing for me. It, what it sold mm. was me, right? Mm. It, it's, it positioned me because I wrote an intro and conclusion as, as you know, an expert. You know, I'd been doing marketing for three years and it wasn't like I was suddenly well known, but it positioned me, it allowed me to do radio interviews uh, and to start to become you know at least a little known in that arena and i realized oh, i've been using content marketing the whole time so i i pivot on recessionsolution.com i stop just writing about you know business and marketing and recession and i start to write about content marketing and i also begin writing for top websites uh, like content marketing institute and I, I begin, and that sort of opens the door into the content marketing world because that site really is the site that made content marketing uh, popular, really popularized the term. And that's sort of how I ended up in the content marketing arena. So that's great. And I guess around 2012, you created an infographic which is spot on relevant and accurate today. How did that come about? So it was around 2012. And one night, I'm, I get this sort of epiphany. I start to think about content uh, in general. And I start to realize that the content that people love seems to have common themes. You know, I start to think about, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's on TV, if it's in movies, if it's in a book, if it's in a uh, nonfiction blog post. There is certain content that seems to attract people. P people want more and more of it, right? They crave it. Yeah. And, and so I, I decide, okay, I'm going to see if I can come up with a list of the content people crave. And I start to think about content that I've used when I've, you know, written content, content that I've used when I've uh, spoke different places. And by the time I'm done, uh, I come up with, uh, my list is 21 types of content we crave. And I look at the list and I'm like, huh, I'm like, I, I think this thing, I, this could be really helpful for people. And so I decided to take it one step further. I decide at this point, infographics are starting to become a, a new thing or a popular thing. And I decide, okay, I'm gonna get an infographic made. And then I reach out to um, Content Marketing Institute, at, you know, I, who I'd been writing for on and off for you know, maybe two years or so. And so I, I showed it to them, I sent it to them and I said, hey, would you like to use this? And they said, yeah, if you could write an intro to it, we would love to use it. So. I was like, okay, do it now. I'm like, I think it's important. I think this list can really be helpful, but 
I'm not sure what's the public, you know, going to decide about this list. And so it was June 5th, 2012, the post went live and I was about to learn what the public thought of this list. Almost immediately, people started commenting on the post, uh, very positive comments. They started sharing the post. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting tweeted everywhere. And it's, it, it's, you know, Facebook and all, you know, all over. And they keep commenting and keep commenting. They keep sharing and keep sharing. By the time I gave up counting, it had been shared about 800 times. And the comments on the website, it had 100 comments before they finally shut the comments down. And the funny thing was later, I ended up getting a testimonial from Joe Polizzi, who is the founder of Content Marketing Institute. And he ended up telling me later on that that post was one of the most popular posts of the year. And so for me, I was like, shot. I was like, I, there really is a certain type of content that resonates with all people and that people crave. And I later went on to do, I put together this training and this talk for B2B content marketers in Silicon Valley. It was in San Mateo. And I was able to speak to them. I was able to not just talk to them about what the types are like we're going to talk about today, but I was able to talk to them about how do you use these in your content in order to grab people's attention and, and pull them through and inspire them to action. So that's kind of the whole story behind how this list came to be. Well, that's interesting. I remember maybe maybe 10 years ago, 20, about the time you came out with your, your graphic, there was sort of this divide among the hardcore direct marketers where there was copy, which would sell, and there was content which was like fluff or something. Right. Obviously, maybe that was right then. It's certainly not true today. You even mentioned that Dan Kennedy, the emails that, that go out under his name these days are a masterful swirl of content and pitch. Could, could you just say a, a little bit about how the two categories are interrelated, not different, have merged, are the same thing, whatever? Yeah, you know, uh, thankfully, D Dan doesn't use very much technology, so he'll never hear me say this. But I would say that Dan Kennedy is an amazing content marketer, you know, from somebody that's, you know, a copywriter in direct response, you know, that could be insulting. But, you know, I thought about it like I I'm a paid magnetic marketing subscriber, right? I, I get the newsletter, right? So this is paid content. In that content, Dan will regularly promote his other, uh, you know, programs events, you know, et cetera, right? And he does it in two ways. Sometimes it is direct and obvious, you know, hey, I've got this program, you should use it, here's why. But what I've noticed is to his paid customers, and I'll get to prospects in a second, to paid customers, he is constantly, indirectly and subtly promoting those other products, those events through the content in that newsletter. He's very strategic. None of it's an accident. It's through the stories, the case studies. Dan is harnessing the power of content to sell his other programs. Now, if you, if you go to the prospect side, you know, what you and I talked about is, you know, I'm on his email list and on his email list, you know, Dan, Dan is providing, um, and this is like the, I'm on the email list for like prospects, right? So, he's constantly providing amazing content, like content that I, I want to open every one of Dan's emails because I know it's going to teach me something. 
but within that content, he is always selling, right? He's trying to, he's trying to show me the problem that I have. He's trying to get me to feel the problem. He's trying to get me to see why the other solutions aren't good, why they don't work and why his is the better and the best one. And he is constantly providing, even within his sales type of copy, powerful content. So what I really think is, I think the best marketers have learned to take content and, and copy and merge them together and weave them together. And you know, I, I think we talked about this too. I, I think it's, it's not a new, I think it's always been, you know, some of the greatest sales letters, the most successful sales letters, right, were story-based, right? The, the famous Wall Street Journal one, the tale of two men, right? Like, or, uh, you know, I sat down, at, uh, they laughed when I sat down at the pia piano, but when I began to play, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're story-based, they're, they're content. And I used to read a lot of these gurus. I'd read their sales letters because they were full of content. I would learn stuff even if I couldn't buy the actual product because it had so much content in there. It wasn't just one or the other, it was both. That's great. Well, I, I know you've got 21 types of content and there's just not enough time to cover all of them on this podcast, but let's go through a few of them, shall we? And, and maybe, maybe you could discuss each one. So what's your first one that we would discuss today? Uh, so we talked about one of the types of content that people crave is content that reminds us that there's more. And the reason that that type of content resonates with people is because it's so easy for us, no matter what level we're at, to get into a, a rut, right? We get stuck and we begin to settle, right? Either consciously or unconsciously, we settle for where we're at. And we all need, we all want someone to remind us to get off our rear and get moving, right? Like we, we wanna hear those kind of things that remind us there's more than what you're currently have, right? Like that's the kind of story that people are attracted to. And, and I think the powerful thing is when we create content like that, it doesn't just encourage us to, you know, to, go, to try for more, to go for more, but it actually creates an affinity with whoever that person is that's telling us that, right? There's, there's a connection we want to hear more from that type of person that gives us that type of content. So, okay. Do you have a quick example of that or something you've done or seen? You know, just, to, just in a general sense, you know, when we can show, you know, case studies or tell stories of a, you know, a person that, that, you know, was at an average person that was at this level that reached, you know, this incredible level, like those are the kind of stories you know, that I feed myself, you know, this everyday person became this superstar in this arena. They succeeded in this way. I think those stories, those they're almost, you know, in a sense of the, the hero's journey, right? Where you, some everyday person takes steps that unlocks potential and results that they, you know, that they wouldn't believe and nobody else would believe. So I, I, that's the kind of the content that you want to kind of tap into. Okay. That makes it a lot clearer. Thanks. So What's the second kind? The next type of content is the content that inspires us to take action. And the interesting thing is that this it doesn't just fit in, you know, copy or content or trying to sell people uh, something. Most of us in life know what we should do, but we do not do it, right? You know, there's the classic, you know, example of, you know, a guy who has a heart attack and survives and suddenly 
because he had the heart attack, he changes his complete eating habits. He begins to exercise, right? Like it's that, it's that pain, that reality of that. I better change everything or I'm going to be in trouble. Like that causes us to take action. And we need, you know, that type of content, you know, the type of content that reminds us of, you know, the pain that we're in, you know, I mean, in the classic, you know, copywriting sense, right? You're trying to amplify the pain, not to manipulate, but to motivate somebody to realize this is worse than you've, you know, than you realize you, you become the frog in the boiling water and you don't realize that, that this is, this is bad and it's going to get worse. And we need that type of content, you know, that also, so the frustration, the pain inspires us to action or the inspiration, right? The motivation, what we, what we can gain, right? We need that type of content that, that helps us to realize that if we would just move forward, we might be able to see and experience goals that we have put uh, on the back burner because we thought they weren't possible. Yeah. I want to say something about the title of your infographic because I just connected a, a couple dots. You're saying this is the type of content we crave and we do. We, you know, we're, we're all waiting for someone to say, Hey, get off the fence and do something. But the word crave reminds me of something else. And I'm not sure if it was Joseph Campbell or one of his acolytes who said, we crave story. We crave story. It's, it's the same kind of thing, whether it's a story or not, whether it's a hero's journey or not. We're not totally self-contained and finished. We want input. We, we crave this kind of stuff, which, which gets us to the third one, which I think is, is profound. You want to talk about that? Yeah, we, there's the third, the third one we're going to talk about today is content that reminds us that we matter, right? Like, you know, all of us deep down inside of us, whether we admit it or not, you know, we want to know that we matter. We want to know that we're important, that what we say and what we do makes a difference. We want to know that we're important, um, you know, to other people. And that's the type of content, again, that people crave because we often think is what I'm doing even does, does it make a difference that I'm even alive that I'm here right like those are the type of questions that people are asking consciously or subconsciously and and that's the kind of content that people crave I'll use it if, if for an example the type of content this is old school classic example but you know it was Christmas an old school movie that people love to watch is it's a wonderful life right the whole sure. The whole story is all about a guy that thinks his life does not matter. And the whole story is about if you weren't here, this wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened, and this wouldn't have happened, and nothing that you know of would have existed, right? Like, that's just, those are the kind of stories, like, the reason that story is popular and people watch it over and over, even though it's black and white and old school and not new, is because of that message that people crave that I matter, I make a difference. That's great. And it's so true. When, when we were talking about this ahead of the podcast, I mentioned that I noticed that so much stuff on Netflix and Prime Video and network TV these days is people seeking validation for their own identity, trying to find out who they are. It's like a really big theme across a lot of content on TV these days. And yep. I, I think that goes directly to to your point, content that reminds us that matters. And speaking of entertainment, I think you came out with this next one before the word edutainment 
sort of became popular in the blogosphere, the social media, memosphere, whatever you want to call it. What's what's your next one? Yeah, the next type of content, excuse me, that people crave is content that educates while entertaining. And I think that as content marketers, copywriters, we unintentionally get so focused on trying to educate or influence, we forget to actually make sure that it's enjoyable to consume the content or copy that we've created. You know, and you're talking about, you know, Hollywood. If you think about it, people will watch nine hours straight of Stranger Things, right? So, you know, we say, oh, they don't, people don't have attention spans that you, you can't keep their attention. Really? They'll watch nine hours straight, maybe a bathroom break and grab a snack is it. They'll watch nine hours straight. Why? Because it's interesting. It's entertaining. There's cliffhangers. They have to know what's going to happen next, right? But the same people will have a very difficult time spending nine minutes trying to consume the copy and the content that we create. The reason is because we forgot to make sure that it's interesting, that it's entertaining, that it's enjoyable, you know? And I think we really ought to take the lesson from Hollywood. Like Hollywood is not just trying to entertain us. They're trying to educate us. They're trying to influence. They're trying to change our minds. A lot of times they're trying to sell us something, right? Maybe it's physical or an idea. And the, and obviously, you know, Hollywood uses, you know, straight maybe, uh, you know, content, uh, maybe like uh, training, teaching, education, right? But Hollywood really influences us by the stories that they create, right? They, they know by default, we want to change someone's opinion. Don't just tell them what you want them to believe. Show them, pull them into a story, let them relate and engage with that person in that story so that they feel what they feel, they see what they see, and that they're drawn through the whole experience. And so I think we need to figure out how to make sure that the content that we create is entertaining at the same time as accomplishing all the other things we're trying to get it to accomplish. Totally agree. Totally I'm gonna, agree. I'm going to yeah. jump in. I'm going to jump do. in real quick and say that a common complaint that I hear over and over in modern culture is entertainers make more money than educators do. And I always think to myself, yeah, so take advantage of that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. Absolutely. All right. And then the fifth one is, is curious to me. These all are, but this, this one's especially curious. <laughs> the fifth one we're talking about today, of course. Yeah, the fifth one on our list, and again, the, the numbers are different on the list, but the fifth one for today is content that creates a, f- a fresh point of view about common things. So content that creates a fresh point of view about common things. I think that most people, when they're creating content or copy, they're focused on the what, on what I'm trying to share, right? The, the information, the facts, and they unintentionally neglect the how. Like, how am I going to present this? And, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Like if, if you want your ideas, if you want your, your information to stand out from all the rest that's out there, then what you need to do is, is focus. Obviously, you need to know what you're going to talk about, right? You need to know the information, right? But you need to think about how will I present that information because, it enables you to take a common idea and make it seem completely new 
if you focus on how you're going to present that. Some, some examples, just what I mean by how. So the personality that you decide to communicate the information, you know, again, back to Dan Kennedy, he's the grumpy, cranky, you know, kind of guru guy, right? Like that's the personality that all of his content is underneath that umbrella, right? And, you know, how you present the content is back to what we're talking about. It's the stories that you use, right? How you communicate is the examples that you use. How you communicate is the structure you know, like, how are you going to put this thing together and weave it so that somebody flows from this thought to this thought to this thought? I would say attitude, which I, in some sense, it could be the same as personality, but I, I see it a little bit differently than that. And then the last thing is the perspective that you bring. So all those types of things can enable you to take common, you know, content, common thoughts, common ideas, and wrap it in these things. And so that the how changes the whole thing and so it seems like a brand new idea when it's when it's an everyday common idea that maybe someone's heard a hundred times but you you suddenly snap them out of their 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 you know dream state and made them see it in a new way and it feels new and it inspires them like it's the first time they've ever heard it before that's great we got to wrap up soon but would, would you like to just review the five of the 21 types that you talked about here and then maybe we can talk about your infographic and anything else you'd like to talk about. Sure. So we've got the five types we've talked about today are content that reminds us there's more, mm -hmm. content that inspires us to action, content that reminds us that we matter, content that educates while entertaining us, and content that creates a fresh point of view even about the common things. That's great. And we put in a link for your infographic in the show notes. And then also you you have a training on, on content and you even have a special offer for listeners of the podcast. Do you wanna talk about that? Yeah, I'll just add this extra thought too, just before before I do that, David. We've been focusing on stories, but I, just, I do wanna emphasize that these types of content, by default, I use stories because they're powerful, right? Because they capture attention, right? The most powerful words in the Eng English language are, once upon a time, you know, they create context, right? Like, like I was just talking about, and they're memorable. So I, by default, I use these types of content with stories, but the, these types of content can be presented through quotes and through stats. So, and you should be creative again in how you weave these types of content. You know, by default, stories are powerful, but don't forget to use quotes from people that are respected in the arena that you're trying to speak to and statistics, you know, that sort of, provide that sort of logical side that people need. So I did put together a training that was a training that I ended up doing for those B2B marketers in Silicon Valley. I ended up recording it along with 10 additional types of content that Content Marketing Institute asked me to create for a follow-up post about four years after that one. That one. And the training is called 31 Types of Content We Crave. And it really shows you the reason why we need <laughs> to use content that people crave, what we're up against. It shows some examples of how to use it. I go a little bit more in depth on some of these types of content to help people to understand what they are. And then I really use some examples from some popular people, authors, speakers that use the method that I'm teaching, they didn't learn it from me, but they're examples that they use the method that I use about taking 
content we crave and they've created powerful content books. They've become experts in their arena. And then I break it down and just show like an example of how I can take a common idea and how I can make it seem new and powerful. And I normally charge $99 for it for your listeners. I would love to give them the opportunity to have it for $79. And along with that, I'd like to give them a free PDF copy of my book, 51 Content Marketing Hacks. That's awesome. And, and we've got the link in, and it's good through the end of March. Is that right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. I'm going to jump in real quick and just say that I love this episode and I would definitely recommend taking Scott up on this offer right now. Content and micro content is the most engaging type of stuff that we're putting out. And if you can take your content and you can apply some of the direct response stuff that you learn here on the podcast, it's the perfect combination for where people are at in their consumption mode in the current year. So thank you so much, Scott, for coming on and sharing this with us. And one more time before we're out of here, where can people go to check out more of your stuff? They can go to my website, directresponsecontentmarketing.com is re really where I talk about how I've merged together the two things, content and copy, directresponsecontentmarketing.com. Man, so much powerful information in this episode. Some great content. So thank you for coming on and helping us make it. Thanks. All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you check out all the other episodes that we have for you over at copywriterspodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10 and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book by the same name is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+, and you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriters Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriters Podcast program, already in progress. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.